The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. The Rav of Lev Simcha, Rosh Kolel of the Valley, Knight Kolel, Rabbi Yisrael Majeski, to be our first speaker tonight. Shavuos. What a day. A day the world changed forever. So let me tell you about my favorite Shavuos story. I was one time walking home from Shul Eretz Yisrael, getting ready to go daven on Shavuos morning. And I saw throngs of people walking in the streets of Eretz Yisrael. Hundreds of people, thousands of people. And I see that they're making their way towards the Kaisal. They were up all night. And they were walking to the Kaisal daven Shavuos morning. And then there was another time. I was here in California. And I was walking down Whitset Avenue. I see a group of around five, six people at two o'clock in the morning. They were going from one shul to another to a shear. Those are my favorite Shuas stories. The story of Shuas is really my favorite story. The story of people staying up all night long, studying a page of Gemara, hearing a shear on Chavish. Doing something which we love, which expresses our love to Hashem. Who does that? Ashrechem Yisrael. This gift that Hashem gave us. On the night of Shavuos, we recognize that gift. This this beautiful presence Hashem said, don't let go. We show Him. Every Shavuos, we show Him with our own story. And as we take our children to shul and we stay up learning of how much we love his Torah, how much we love being a part of his nation. Isn't that the most beautiful story in the world? This shul is just look out and I take it for a moment because it's not regular. People don't stay up the whole night studying math. They don't have a math night. There's no psychology night where psychologists just stay up the whole night studying psychology to show their love for psychology. When a psychology book falls on the floor, you don't see a professor pick it up and give it a kiss. We kiss our Torah. We kiss our Svarim. Because we love it. That's the beauty. But there's a story, obviously, within this story. I want to share with you. The rub over here of Yeshiva Siyam, the Rabbi Einhorn. And he said over this story a few years ago, we were doing like a little kumzitz before Shavuos, which a bunch of bachrim arranged by Rabbi Block. And he said over as follows. He said that his Rebbe told him that he was in the mirror in Brooklyn. He was living, he was in yeshiva. And he was dating at the time. And this girl uh, who he's uh, about to get engaged to, his Rebbe tells him that before he got engaged to his kala, um, she was coming in. She was coming in from Baltimore to New York to date him. And she was arriving by bus. And it was a snowy night. And she was going to come the next day. And, you know, they're going to go out the next evening. So his Rebbe says, wait, this girl that you're about to get engaged, engaged to is coming in from Baltimore by bus. He says, yeah. And you're going out with her tomorrow night. He says, yeah. He says, what you should do is you should go down to the bus stop, meet her, surprise her, and drive her home. Said, yeah, but Rebbe, that, that, that wasn't planned. That's not what we made up. I have Yeshiva, I have Night Seder. His Rebbe looks at him and says, When you want to show love, 
when you want to show you love someone, sometimes you got to do things that are a little crazy. He said, Rebbe, it's an hour away, an hour and a half away because she's not staying here. When you want to show someone you love them, you do things that are a little bit crazy. When you want to show someone you love them, you don't just do things that are in the book. Hashem, we're showing you that we love you. Yes, it might seem a little bit crazy to the rest of the world. You have a group of people just staying up the whole night, learning, not for a prize, not for money, not for a reward, not because we're getting a certificate, just because we love it. It's our life. And we will study it day and night. Because Torah is not just something that we do. It's not just knowledge that we acquire. It's life itself. And what better way to express that life and our love than to maybe do something a little bit crazy. So let's enjoy Shavuos night. Let's embrace it. Let's show our love to Hashem. Happy Shavuos. And um, our next speaker, we want to thank Rabbi Majeski for his tremendous, powerful story. We really appreciate it. Our next speaker is Rabbi Avi Weissenfeld, who is Rosh Hashiva, based Davidin in Israel, as well as the author of Kashrus in the Kitchen as, and Pac, in the Pocket Halacha series. Go to your local bookstore right now or order it online. Pocket Halacha series, short, precise, to the point, Halacha, practical. You will not regret it. I want to remind everyone to share this link so you can watch right now this amazing program, TorahAnytime.com slash Live, TorahAnytime.com slash C-H-A-Z-A-Q-L-I-V-E. Don't only watch yourself. Share it to your friends. Share it to your WhatsApp. Share it. Put it on your status right now. Or you could, slash Live, or you could call into this amazing program, 718-298-2077, extension 46. Again, that number is 718 718- 298-2077, extension 46. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Avi Weissenfeld. Stories to inspire pre-Shvurus event. What a privilege it is to be part of this incredible, incredible event. I want to tell you a story that really represents Torah. And that is so fitting for pre-Shvurus. So there was this Yid. It was soon after World War II, after the Holocaust. People were very downtrodden. People were very depressed. It was a hard time of life. And he goes around the shul and he invites everybody to his seum. He says, I'm making a seum. So they say, okay, it's not a normal thing really to get an invitation to a seum. If you make a seum, you bring a couple of pieces of herring or something. But okay, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come, we'll show up. So everybody shows up expecting uh, maybe a bit of cake. They're lucky, some good drinks. They walk into the seum. It's a full-blown fleshic seum with all the works. First course, second course, dessert, all types of drinks. And like, what is going on over here? This guy must have taken out a mortgage. Nobody makes such a seum. Like, what is this seum on? What have you done? This is incredible. So he sits down and he says, Rabbi Sai, I'd like to tell everyone the story behind this seum. Why am I making this seum? He says, I'll tell you why. I survived, like many of you people here today, the war. And I was in one of the camps during the time of the war. And I remember that there was a guy who always was sleeping with my, 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 my mate next to me. He was always sleeping next to me. And he was always murmuring the whole time. Constantly murmuring. I always wondered what was he doing. Constantly murmuring to himself, murmuring to himself. 
One night, he turns to me, it was before we went to sleep, and he says to me, my dear friend, I'd like you to do me a favor. And I answered, sure, what do you need? What could you give someone at that point, you know? <laughs> what could you do for someone? But, you know, I offered, what can I do? And he said, I'd like you to do me a favor. I'm in the middle of Shas, and I pretty much know most of Shas by heart. There's one Masechta that I'm missing, and it's Masechta's Nazi. Do me a favor, I'm not so sure I'm going to make it. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in this world. Could you please do me a favor and finish Masechta's Nazi for me? And therefore, I will have completed Shas. And the fellow marvels. He thinks, this is incredible. This is a year that's gone through so much that you're barely eating, you're barely sleeping. There's nothing to hold on to, but yet he's holding on to Torah. And that's an unbelievable thing. And he said to him, sure, I promise you, I will finish Mesech des Noze for you. The next morning, it was roll call. And everybody gets out of bed. And he felt next to him that he just, he just didn't make it. He didn't make it through the night. He was very, very upset. But he said, I'm going I'm to keep my promise. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make him a seam of a lifetime. He deserves it. And he said it was a while after the war. He didn't know anything by heart. He had to wait till he got back to civilization. And he had the courage and the strength to continue. And then as soon as he did, he opened up a Gomorrah Nazi. And he started learning page after page. And he didn't just learn it, but he learned it that way. That guy learned it. He tried to do it by heart. So he would be able to complete Shas for that man. And that's an incredible thing. And he said, that's the seam. This seam is not just a seam on Mesechtes Nozi. It's not even a seam on just Shas. It's a seam on a Yid that never gave up. It's a seam on a Yid that understood that the only thing that is important, they can take everything away from us, but they will never take our Torah. And that's what keeps us alive. I remember I was giving a shir in a shul in a tanya once, a number of years ago. And a fellow comes up to me and he says to me, Rabbi, I must tell you this. I must tell you this. He said, about 10 years ago, I got diagnosed with Yenemachla, with cancer, Rahman al-Itzlan. And I was so down, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know where to turn. And I made a deal with God and I said, God, I'm going to start learning Shas. Not only am I going to start learning Shas, but I'm going to start teaching Shas. And he opened up a Dafi for older, retired people in Etanya. And he said, it's been 10 years. The doctors gave me a year to live. And here I am today, every day, day in, day out, I'm learning the Rabbi Nishalolam's Torah. Because the Torah is keeping us alive. This Shavuos, Be'ezah Hashem, let's take this incredible message. This incredible message that we realize that the only thing that we have in the craziest world that we live in is Torah. Torah keeps us alive and it keeps us going. We should all be Zoycha to a beautiful and incredible Kabbalah Satoya. Rabbi Weizvah for your powerful story. Wow, unbelievable story. Our next speaker is Rabbi Avram Stuhlberger, who is the Dean of the Valley Torah High School in California, as well as the President of Yeshiva, of Yeshiva Principals Council of, of Los Angeles. And um, he really is somebody who really has a tremendous influence on Klai Yisrael, and it does not go unnoticed. And we want to give another shout-out to the Kola Torah Kula organization. Sign up for their amazing video broadcast every single day. Short, 
few um, short to the point, powerful messages from great speakers. Again, sign up at seven. Message on WhatsApp nine. To message the words sign up to the number 908-943-4162. 908-943-4162. And there's a great night to call upon Rabbi Stuhlberger. Hello, everyone. Just want to thank Stories to Inspire for giving me this opportunity. It's incredible the work that they do, and having a program right before Shavuos is something that in a very meaningful way. They should just continue to be Marbet's Torah and to inspire Klai Yisrael for many years to come. And also especially Ashokach to Torah anytime for the incredible work that they do. It's right before Shavuos, and it is our responsibility in preparing for this incredible Chag to really reflect and try to get deeply into the gift that we've received called this gift of Torah. What, what is it? I mean, we know it certainly contains so many laws and has uh, really such depth in terms of, of its profundity, in terms of its uh, ability to understand. We can spend a thousand years learning Torah and that scratch the surface. So on that level, it's, it's incredible, and it's incredible in the fact that it's a blueprint for creation. So we don't even have any idea of the depth of Torah. We, we know that the letters could be read in different ways, and uh, literally it could unravel the secrets of the universe. So the level in, in terms of the depth of the gift is unimaginable. But there's another dimension. Maybe for us, on a practical level, maybe a, even a more significant uh, level of, of, of a dimension of what Torah is. Rav Shach Zatzal was uh, stricken with a terrible tragedy. He lost his daughter, and he really was tough for him to recover. Very tough over the years. He was, she died at a young age, and he felt he needed to see Rav Chaim Eiser. He was a young man at the time. He needed to see Rav Chaim Eiser, uh, get to get chizuk from him. And he went to Rav Chaim Eiser, and he told him his situation. Rebbe, I... I need chizuk. I don't know what it is. I'm still steiging. I'm still learning. But um, what, what can I do? Reb Chaim said to him, the great Reb Chaim the Godel Hadar, the Paisik Hadar, a person you'd say is on such a level beyond the emotional vicissitudes that we deal with. And he said to, to Reb Shach, a young man, Reb Shach, he said to him, how do you think I survived? How do you think I've managed how do you think that I've been able to deal with the challenges that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent my way? And they were significant. He had a lot of different difficulties in his life. Very, very challenging moments that Rav Chaim Moses had to live through with the death of people in his family. And he says to him, I only managed for one reason. I wouldn't be able to survive. I wouldn't be able to deal with every day. I wouldn't be able to deal with the problems of Klai Yisrael. You think I could be the leader to always greet people with a smile, to have a positive attitude, to always be the one to mechazik other people? Do you think I would be able to do that? If not for the Torah, they told Roshach, you have no, only, only one answer, no place else to go, but to throw yourself into the comforting words of Torah which HaKadosh Baruch was given to us, of course, to analyze and to plumb the depths of Torah. But it's the connection that we have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Torah that gives us a sense of, of solace, a sense of comfort, a sense of it's going to be okay. And that's how a Jew survives. It is literally our lifeblood for our emotional 
mental and physical well-being. So on that level alone, the idea that we are only who we are, this incredible Am Yisrael that has survived this bloody Gullus and has literally shocked the world in our ability to keep going, I would have been lost in my pain and my tears long ago. That's certainly true for Klai Yisrael. It's a Torah that HaKadosh Baruch has given us that has sustained us. And there's another very important dimension that sort of goes along with this, but is even a little bit different, how it applies to everybody. There's a very famous story about, about Rav Shach as well. And this, at this point, Rav Shach is already the Godel, uh, Godel Adar. He's the person that everybody sort of uh, goes to in terms of a decision in Klai Yisrael. And every once in a while, there were special meetings where Abonim or Shishivas would come to Rav Shach's house for consultation. And as they're waiting to have all these people come at a particular point in time, and everyone, of course, Rav Shach is in his, in his study, and he's learning, he's uh, doing whatever he does in his study, and all of a sudden, uh, the teenage boy, while all the people are gathered around and everyone's getting ready for this major, major meeting, he sort of sneaks into the door, gets by the shamash somehow, and he sneaks into the door, and he walks into Rav Shach's office. Rav Shach looks up, he's learning, of course, and he, and he says, Yes, can I help you? He says, Rebbe, Rebbe, he's a young boy, maybe 16 years old, 15 years old, he's a young boy. He says, Rebbe, Rebbe, I, you have to help me. I have no geschmack from Tyre. I, have, I, I learn, but somehow it doesn't get in. And it doesn't relate to me. It doesn't connect to me. Rebbe, what can I do? He says, come. Come sit down. He says, what Gemara are you doing? Rebbe, I'm doing Bab Metziah, Eil Metzius. Goes to the shelf. He takes two Gemaras. He sits down. It's okay. Let's learn. And he goes through the Gemara of Shach, reads the Gemara for this young teenage boy. And after about 20 minutes or a half hour, he says, No, do you have it? Do you understand the Gemara? He says, Rabbi, I, no, I don't understand. He says, no, Goes through the Gemara again. People are waiting outside, clamoring. Rav Shach sends a message, no one should disturb me. And he's with this boy. Goes over it again. After the second time, 20 minutes, a half hour, no. Fashtes, do you have the Gemara? Rebbe, no, I don't have the Gemara. No chamo. No problem. Let's do it again. He does it a third time. After explaining and discussing and all of the ways that Rav Shach was, was trying and tempting to bring this young boy into an understanding of Torah for, for the first time in his life because he had no geschmack, he had no understanding. And after the third time he says, Fashtes, tears started to roll down the cheeks of this young boy. Rebbe, Rebbe, I understand, I understand. And the, and the, and the shine on his face and the, and the feeling of clarity that he had was, was, was palpable in terms of, of how significant it was to this young man. He says, Baruch Hashem. And he hugged him and he said, have a good night. By the time the learning was over, everybody left. It's an incredible story of Rav Shach's readiness to help out a young boy. But there's a deeper question that needs to be asked. And the Shamish, who was very close to Rav Shach, asked a question. He said, what was this all about? You have all these people coming from all corners of Eretz Yisrael to come to talk to you. We had a very important agenda. And you're, you're sitting with Rebbe, you're sitting with this teenage boy. I mean, uh, my hi, what, what really happened here? Rav Shach taught that Shamish and taught, as a result, the rest of Klai Yisrael an incredible lesson. He says, when there's a young boy, when there's a man... When there's somebody, could be a woman as well, who is not connected, who doesn't feel a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to Torah, that's a kind of safashos. 
That literally, literally is a life-threatening situation because there is at any moment in time the, the ability for this young man to just say goodbye. I have no geschmack. I'm not connected. I don't feel happy about Torah. That's the lifeblood of Klai Yisrael. That young man could easily be devoured by a temptation or a situation that can suck him out of the realm of, of, of Am Yisrael into a whole other world. We have to do what we can at that moment. We cannot wait. We have to do what we can. And he understood. I mean, okay, it's Bekoach Nefesh. So one learning with, one time learning, one session with a young boy for, for 40 minutes, for, for an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, that's going to make the difference. And Rav Shach understood. He understood the power of Torah. He understood that Torah is the only antidote to this person's ability to function, to thrive. And he also knew that I, it's my job because I'm here right now. I have to give this young man clarity. And that one moment of clarity changed the course of that young man's life. And we've, I've heard many similar stories in, in different situations where literally you can have a, a case in Miami. A young boy was completely disconnected from learning. He sat and learned with a young bacha, 25-year-old bacha, one time with geschmack, with, with connection, with understanding, with a feeling of, of let's, let's understand this, let's relate to this. Changed his life. From that point on, everything was different. Even one Moment in time can be that, that literal uh, transition from darkness into the light, into understanding and appreciating Torah. It's more than just Lulei Srascha Torah is the, the ability for a person to have chiyus, a person to have a sense of connection, a sense of understanding of why am I here as a Jew. And for a, for a young man, for a young teenage boy, it is critical that they have a geschmack. It is a tremendous story in terms of what Torah really is. It is what allows us to be sustained. It is, it is, it is what allows us to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is a lifeblood to our existence, and without it, we are literally like that fish out of the sea that Rabbi Kiva says has no chance for survival. I'm much better off in the water. When we come to Shuas. When well, we're up all night, or we're not up all night, but we come to this yontif, and we daven, and we meditate, and we feel, and we connect to the purpose of the day, to say, to say, Baruch you have given us life, you have given us an understanding of the world that nobody can fathom. No one else can fathom the, the beauty of Torah, the lifeblood of Torah, the essence of Torah, and the depth of Torah. So Bez Hashem, if we appreciate these words, these incredible words, not just of Lulei Tzorashchoshashuoy, but Brosi Yetzirah, Brosi Tavlin, it is the antidote, it is the lifeblood to our ability to face all the challenges, both physically and spiritually. Because Hashem, we will be able to celebrate the Shavuos properly, truly come close to the Kodesh Baruch Hu, and that's Chus, and the suffering, and the Tzorish, Bez Hashem, that we'll see the ultimate light with Biyas HaMashach Mehevimeinu. Rabbi Stilberger, unbelievable words. Wow. Our next speaker is Rabbi Jesse Horn. Before we introduce the rabbi, we want to remind everyone, share this link, tonytime.com slash live, so you can be inspired just like everyone else around the world. And not only you, for all your fam- family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, everyone should be inspired tonight. Share this link, tonytime.com slash live. And as we want to remind everyone again, if you saw these programs... Uh, they, they, they strive because they're, 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 and, and, and they really inspire so many people but, and you can have a share in it whether you want to dedicate it for Zuchos for our foolish Shalema Zuchos for a, a merit for a, a, a loved one Lilo Nishmas 
in honor of a special occasion. Reach out to Chazak, and we will help um, dedicate a very uh, help you in organi- in helping organize or dedicating one of these amazing upcoming shiurim. Um, reach out to Chazak at events.chazak.org. Email us at events.chazak.org. E V E N T S at C H A Z A Q dot O R G. Rabbi Jesse Horn is the senior Ram Rosh Masifta of Yeshiva Kotel, and we really appreciate they'll be part of tonight's very special program. Rabbi Jesse Horn. I was told a remarkable story, powerful story, several years back. There was Baruch Bear, who's Yeshiva of Kamenitz, had a top prize student in Eloy, someone fantastic, who, who eventually got engaged to his daughter, and all three were happy. Rabbi Baruch Bear was happy to have such a, a, a wonderful son in law, Midos, and learning, and Eloy. And the girl fell in love with this Talmud, and the Talmud liked the girl as well. And over time, as the engagement continued, the the, the chassan, the student, the son-in-law, the, the Talmud realized this wasn't the right girl. Broke off the engagement, and she was crushed, mamished, torn apart. She was so disappointed, and Rav Baruch Bear was unhappy, unhappy about the broken engagement, happy about his daughter's situation. Difficult, challenging. And then the son-in-law realized it was so awkward and so difficult, he had to switch yeshivas. Unfortunately, to switch yeshivas, you have to ask the yeshiva for a letter. So Rav Baruch Bear had to write this son-in-law a letter so he can get into another yeshiva. And Rav Baruch Bear was torn on the one hand. He felt he wanted to write a positive letter. And on the other hand, he was nervous his pain would come across. It wasn't just, I'm a letter, this Talmud is good. With detail and describing the boy, and he was nervous some of his pain would, would, would be communicated in the letter. He was mamish, torn apart. So the story goes where Baruch Bear asked four or five people to check the letter just to make sure it was done properly. And the reason why the story I find so powerful is because you don't have to pretend you have no pain. You have to pretend you're not hurt. You have to pretend you're elevated and above it. It's okay to feel pain when sad things happen. But you've got to work hard to do the right thing anyway. Don't be afraid to not be an angel and a malach and say, oh, I would never let this come across. If Baruch Bear felt pain and he was nervous he was going to come across. The Kutzke Rebbe points out on the Pasuk, Anshe Kodesh Tuli, don't be angels, you just have to be holy people. Who needs that? The answer is sometimes when a person works on the Mido so much, they pretend they're an angel, the answer is it's okay to be human, just to become a great human. It's okay to have challenges and struggles, just rise to the top. Rav Baruch Bear genuinely struggled, but wanted to make sure that he succeeded and rose to the top. Rabbi Horn, for your unbelievable words, what a story. We want to remind everyone, this, this program is called My Favorite Shavuos Stories to Inspire. We want to give another shout out to our great friend, the talisman, Nassan Epstein, for, his, for all his effort in helping put together tonight's very special program, all he does for Jewish people. For all your Judaica needs, all your talis needs, you reach out to the talisman and, he will, and you won't regret it. Reach and he and he could tie your sisters to your towers and all according to all Minhagim, Ashkenaz, um, Sephardi, um, Breslov, whatever it is, reach out to the talisman. 856-745-9588. 856-745-9588. It is a great honor to call upon Rabbi Mordechai Berg, who is the Menahel of Yeshiva of Yeshiva Mivaseret. In Israel, Rabbi Berg. I'd like to share with you an amazing story. It's actually the story that my dad told over by my bar mitzvah. When he spoke by my bar mitzvah, this was the story that my father told. And it was the message that he sent to me. And it's a message that has stayed with me to this day. My grandparents were not observant Jews. 
I am so exceptionally blessed to come from a family where both of my parents were Balei Tshuva. My father's father, my grandfather, decided one year that he was going to buy a new talis for Yom Kippur. He didn't go to shul every Shabbos, but he went to shul for the high holidays, and he was going to buy himself a really beautiful talis for Yom Kippur, a long, flowing talis. And though he davened in a conservative shul, he wanted to have that regal look that comes with having a long flowing talus. And so he went out and he bought himself this talus and he was really proud of it. And he came to shul and he's wearing his talus. And at some point he decided to take a break in the middle of davening. And when he came back, his talus was gone. And there was a man who was there who was sitting like in the vicinity. And he asked him like, have you seen what happened to my talus? And the man said, yes, I think somebody else accidentally took it, and they didn't realize that it was yours. And so my grandfather went and retrieved his talus. And he came back, and he wanted to say thank you to the person that had pointed him in the right direction. And he noticed that this man was wearing one of those, like, shawl talesim, kind of like wrapped around his neck. But he was wearing it with exceptional pride. And it was clear to my grandfather that there was something different about this talus. And so he asked this man, may I ask you the story behind this talus? Like, why do you have such pride wearing this talus? And the man told him the following story. This man was in the concentration camps in the Holocaust, and he was literally at the end of his life when the Americans came and freed them from the concentration camps. And of course, we can't even begin to imagine what those soldiers saw when they came to the concentration camps and they saw these emaciated people that were holding on to life by a thread. It was so jarring to them. And here was this person who was just barely a skeleton at that point, and he was freed. Now, the Americans at that point, they didn't know, you know, how to feed these people. They didn't know that they had to come with enough food to feed these people. And so the Americans said, well, we have this food, but we don't have enough for everybody in the camp. So you can choose to have talis or food. We don't have enough for everybody. And of course, anybody that could grabbed the food. But this person said, you know, I've lived for so long without food. It really doesn't make a difference if I miss another day. But a talus, I haven't worn a talus in so long. And so he chose the talus. The next day when he woke up, anyone who had chosen the food had died overnight. They weren't used to such rich food. They hadn't had meat in so long. And unfortunately, the shock to their system was so great that many of them passed away that night. But those that chose the talus lived. And this man told my grandfather this story. He said, this talus to me is not just a talus. This talus and the choice to grab the talus and not the food, it saved my life. And that's why I wear it with such pride. My grandfather told this story to my father, and my father told it to me on the day of my bar mitzvah. And the message that he sent was, you know, this was not an observant Jew. This was not a person who was Shomer Torah Mitzvahs the way that many of us are. But what mattered to him? What really mattered to him? 
at the end of the day, he chose the talis. And it's such an important message for us because, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the vicissitudes of life and we find ourselves in funny places and we ask ourselves, like, do I really care? Like, is this really what I'm about? Like, am I really passionate about my Judaism? Sometimes yes and sometimes no, but sometimes we doubt ourselves and we say, maybe it's not for me. But, you know, push come to shove. Jews throughout history have chosen the talis. We've died Al-Kiddush Hashem. In this case, this man lived Al-Kiddush Hashem. He chose the talis. He didn't have to choose the talis. And it saved his life. And I think that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to remember that push comes to shove. We choose the talis. And choosing that talis can save our lives. Rabbi Berg, unbelievable story. We're continuing the momentum strong. Everyone stay tuned to this. You, you won't, don't, don't leave us now. Stay on this amazing program so we can hear all the rest of the tremendous speakers. Our next speaker is Rabbi Eliezer Abish. As we know, he is the author of Portraits of Prayer. Right now, we're going through Tsaras Klayusha, and we all and 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 if, if you want to inspire and uplift and give meaning, more meaning to your tefillas, to your prayers, a great way is by learning this amazing book called Portraits of Prayer. You can pick it up at your local Judaica store, or you can get it online. Again, Portraits of Prayer. It's a it's a must have. It's unbelievable. I want to give a great shout out to Tor Anytime. Unbelievable website. Thousands upon thousands of audio and video shiurim from the great, great top speakers. And go to toranytime.com right now. You as um, and um, and really, 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 it's endless how much Torah is on there. Toranytime.com. Our next speaker is Rabbi Ron Yitzchak Eisenman, who is the Rav of Congregation Avas Yisrael and Passaic, as well as a renowned author. And we, we, we appreciate um, um, him being part of this amazing program tonight. And before, and um, as we mentioned before, everyone should uh, continue sharing this link to anytime.com slash Kazakh Live so everyone can get inspired tonight. Rabbi Eisenman. I'd like to thank Stories to Inspire for inviting me to come and speak. I'd also like to thank Kazakh, who's a uh, also part of it and partnering together to put this event together, Torah Anytime. There are Marbitz Torah all over the world. Especially, I thank my good friend, Nassamal Epstein, who does so much great work for them. And also, Kola Terakula, they're also involved in sponsoring this beautiful event to prepare us for Shavuos and to get us in the proper frame of mind for Kabbalah Satoya, for accepting of the Torah. We know that the whole mitzvah of Shavuos, there's no shofar to blow, there's no lulav to shake, there's no sukkah to sit in, there's no matzah to eat. The whole idea of Shavuos is limit hatayra. That is the that is the essence of Shavuos. That's the mitzvah sayim. What do you do on Shavuos? What do you do? Okay, some people may eat milk, but still, what do you do on Shavuos? What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is learning Torah. We stay up the whole night, or we learn extra shir, or whatever we can do, but that's the, everybody agrees. We all agree the mitzvah of Shavuos is all about Torah, and is all about working in Torah, and amelis for Torah, and working hard in Torah, and the more a person is isek for Torah, the more a person is involved in Torah, and toils in Torah, so the greater, greater the reward, and the greater person they become. And the benefits are, are almost immediate. 
my favorite story with regard to, to Shavuos goes back to when I was in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael all the way back to, to 1977 to 1977, a long time ago uh, 44 or whatever, many many years ago 40 years ago I was a bacher in Yeshiva and it happened, I was in Eretz Yisrael learning in Yeshiva and it happened to me that all of a sudden they, they brought in, I didn't even know to this day, I never met, they brought in a few boys that were actually from New Zealand. Young boys that were from New Zealand, they were going to spend Shabbos in the Shavuos in the yeshiva with us. And uh, somebody said to me, oh, you speak English and this, why don't you go ahead and, and you can learn with one of the boys. So I went, the boy didn't, really didn't know very little. He never had never really had learned Gemara. He went to some sort of Jewish school, but I don't think it was a very intensive Jewish education. And I said, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll sit down. So I said, what should we learn? I said, you know what, Let, let's, let's learn the Haftorah. We'll learn the Haftorah in, in Sefer Yechezkel, the Maisa Merkava. The, the, the first day Shavuos, we learn about the Maisa Merkava. Very, very obviously difficult uh, parsha in the Novi, which talks about uh, what Yechezkel saw and this whole prophecy that he saw and this whole chazayin, this whole vision that he saw. But we sat down and we learned, and obviously as the night went on, we learned and we began to talk, and we began to talk, and he started speaking to me and talking to me, this fellow, I remember his name was Isaac, and he was talking to me about, you really do this to, uh, every day this many hours, and every day you sit, how can you do it, how can you sit here like this, and you learn just the whole day sitting here and learning, I said, yeah, yeah, you should see, you should try it. So <laughs> we finished learning the entire night, we davened, and then later on that afternoon, after we slept a little, he came back to me and he said, you know what, I, I like to, let's, let's learn some more. Let's learn some more. So we went ahead and we, uh, we opened the Chumash. We started to learn a little bit about that Parshi Sisho and Yasser Sadimris. And the, the Yontif went by and we, and truthfully, back then, of course, there was no cell phones, there was no email, there was there were maybe letters, but th- that was it. So maybe we kept in touch a little bit. But um, it was a very beautiful experience, and that was it. Isaac went his way, so we went back to uh, uh, New Zealand, and, and I went my way. Fast forward, though, fast forward all the way, fast forward to, to 2012. 2012, about 10 years ago. I'm in Eretz Yisrael, and I happened to be davening at the Kaiso. I'm davening at the Kaiso, and someone says, Mincha, do you like to, have to join a minion for Mincha? I said, yeah. So I walk over, I join a minion for Mincha. I'm davening in this. And right after we finished Mincha, I remember it was Mincha G'dayla for Erev Shabbos. Someone taps me on the shoulder and he says to me, uh, did, did you by any chance learn in, in Yeshiva and Yushalayim and you used, you used to have, have uh, red hair and you lived, and, you know, and you were learning in Yeshiva and did you ever learn with a, a, a boy from New Zealand uh, in 1977? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tells me, that's me. He tells me, that's me. His name now is, of course, Yitzchak. And he tells me, he's, he after he went back, but he always had that taste of Torah. So eventually, after he finished, he was a high school boy. He finished and he came back to Eretz Yisrael. And once he tasted Torah, he came back to Eretz Yisrael. And he was still learning. He was still learning. He was married already. He had children already. But he was still learning. Obviously, he looked totally different. He was uh, dressed uh, totally like a, a Ben Torah, a younger man. And he said to me, he said, you don't, you didn't realize. I said, well, well we sat and learned Navi for three, four hours. 
He said, yeah, but you didn't realize that was the first time I ever really understood or I ever really delved into or ever really worked hard. I was sleepy, I wanted to go to sleep, but I pushed myself and I realized that the beauty of Torah and the sweetness of Torah and that, I have to thank you. I always, In fact, I always wanted to meet you again. I always hoped one day we'd meet. And now, Baruch Hashem, 30 years later we meet. And he was there in, 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 in the flesh. I would obviously never have recognized him. And I thought to myself, I remember, I didn't tell him this, but I remember when they came to me back then, 1977, they said, do you want to learn with this person? I thought to myself, what, uh, why, why, because I speak English, I have to be the, the carbon, I have to be the, because there were Israelis there, I think, you know, maybe I want to learn my own stuff. And who could have imagined that I look back that 30 years later I would see the fruits, I would see the Paris of going ahead and, and learning with this, back then this young man, this Bachar. So this is the power also of Shavuos. The, the Torah is always Masak Midvash. In fact, they quote that many eat Cholov and Dvash, that Dvash v'cholov tachas l'shoyni, you should eat milk and honey, especially on Shavuos, because Torah is sweet. So this is what something, as this Bachar, as Isaac, Yitzchak, as he went ahead and tasted the sweetness of Torah on that Shavuos in 1977, and it impacted him to his whole life, so too all of us should take this Shavuos and use it a way to, t- to taste the sweetness of Torah, and also it should be an impactful and important and inspirational Shavuos for all of us for the rest of our life. I'd like to thank Daniel Aguilar from Stories to Inspire for inviting me to participate in this beautiful work, as well as to Ravi Abel from Chazak for the beautiful work they do, specifically making sure that all Jewish children get an opportunity to participate in the Torah learning and taking them from public school even and teaching them Torah, they should have strength to continue their beautiful work. In a few days, we'll be zeichet to have celebrating the Yantav Ashuas. And we learn the Chumash, in Pashas Yisrael, Perikites, Pasuk Beis, Vayichan Shom Yisrael Neged Ahar. And Bnei Yisrael encamped by the mountain opposite the mountain. Rashi wonders, why does he say Vayichan instead of Vayachanu? It should be plural, not singular. And Rashi tells us those famous words, Ki Yishachad Vayivachad. They stood there, one man, one heart. And that's what Hashem wanted. Before He gives His children the Torah, we should be there Ba'achtos. And we can see how important Ahtas is to Hashem. Because Hashem created us with needs. Why didn't Hashem create every single person to be self-sufficient? Why didn't He create every one of us to be able to do whatever we need to do without coming on to the help of others? And the explanation is that Hashem wanted us to be together. And therefore Hashem created us with needs. Hashem also created us with the ability to help others. It's like the pieces of a puzzle. If you would have just pieces of a puzzle, straight edge, and put them next to each other, they're not very strong. But we see puzzles have protrusions, and puzzles have places where you can insert things. Because when you put those two pieces together, they're much stronger. And that is how Hashem created us. Some of us have needs. We also have abilities to help others. Every single person has needs. Every single person also has the ability to help others. And therefore we join together. And therefore we, we come to Achtos together. And that is what Hashem wants. Because we are His children. And just like every parent wants their children to be Bachtus, so too Hashem wants His children to be Bachtus. There's an organization called the USO. United, State, United States Organization. 
And this organization got together and they entertained the soldiers. There were soldiers overseas, soldiers especially during the times of war in different army, different army bases around the world and even in the United States. And they would bring in comedians, singers, actors to entertain these soldiers. They worked very hard for us and of course they're entitled, they deserve some of this entertainment. In Staten Island, there's a hospital called the Holleran General Hospital. This is one of the largest veteran hospitals in the country. It used to be in the past. And once, the fellow named Ed Sullivan heard that there was a comedian and a singer named Jimmy Durant who was going to be in New York. He called him up and he said, you know, Jimmy, you're coming to New York. Come to Staten Island. Come to the Veterans Hospital. There are hundreds and hundreds of veterans there. They can use your entertainment. Why don't you come down? And he says, Mr. Sullivan, I'd love to come, but I can't. I'm on a very tight schedule. I'm coming in for two radio shows. I can't take a chance with my voice. I can't miss these things. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Said Sullivan says, Jimmy, come on. The soldiers, they need you. He says, Mr. Sullivan, I'd love to do it. Maybe another time, but I can't do it now. Mr. Sullivan said, please, Jimmy, come on. Come just for a few minutes even. So Jimmy Durant's manager said, Mr. Sullivan, we know what's going to happen. If he comes just for 10 minutes, then you're going to say, stay more, stay more. So Mr. Sullivan promised, he said, I promise you, if he comes, he'll come on stage for 15 minutes, and we won't say another word. I promise you, I give you my word. So Jimmy Durant's manager said, fine, I'm taking at your word 15 minutes, not a minute more. He's got to catch a ferry after this from Staten Island. You have to keep your word. Okay. He comes to New York, he comes to Staten Island, the soldiers heard that someone special was coming, and it was getting very exciting, and they all filled up the auditorium, a massive auditorium, almost 2,000 soldiers were there, of course many of them had visible injuries, and the time came for Jimmy Durant to get on stage, he comes on stage, the place explodes with applause, and Mr. Sullivan, Ed Sullivan and Jimmy Durant's manager are off stage watching this. And sure enough, 15 minutes comes, and Jimmy Durant stays on stage. And he's continuing his act, he's singing his comedy, and the place is applauding, and they're laughing, and they're happy. And another five minutes, now it's 20 minutes, now it's 25 minutes, now it's 30 minutes. At that point, the manager turns to Ed Sullivan and says, See, I told you. And Ed Sullivan turns to the manager and says, I didn't say anything, I'm standing here with you. You think he's on stage too long, go get him off. He tried to get his attention, but he couldn't get his attention. Finally, the manager goes on stage, goes over to Jimmy, and he pulls him off the stage. And they get off stage. He looks at him and says, Jimmy, what are you doing? You know we have a very tight schedule. Why are you staying on stage? And Jimmy turns to his manager and says, look, look what's going on out there. And the manager looks and says, what? He says, don't you see that applause? So the manager turns to him and says, Jimmy, I'm your manager. You get that applause wherever you go. Every stage you're on, you get that applause. And Jimmy says, no, 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 go look. Look right in the front. Look where I was standing. And he looks, and sure enough, he sees everyone's clapping. But right in the front, there are two soldiers. One soldier's missing his left hand, his left arm. And the other soldier's missing his right arm. And they're standing together clapping. This one with only his right arm, clapping the fellow who only has his left arm. And Jimmy said, look what these soldiers did for us. There's no way I can leave the stage like that. 
And the truth is, that is what Achtos is. Achtos is realizing we all have things that we need. But at the same time, we all have things that we can share. And as we get close to Shulis, what gives Hashem the biggest nachas is seeing His children get in, getting along one with the other. Ki echad, echad. Have a wonderful Shulis. Next speaker is Rabbi Yoni Levin. We want our mind, everyone. If someone, if so, if you know someone whose children in public school like to transfer yeshiva, reach out to Chazak right now, and Chazak will help them in that process. Reach out to Chazak right now at 718-285-9132, or email us at pstyachazak.org, p-s-t-y at c-h-a-z-a-q.org, and it is a great honor to call upon. Rabbi Yoni Levin, the assistant Rav of Eish Kodesh in Woodmere, New York. Rabbi Yoni Levin, Shlita. I want to share with you a touching, moving, and sad, yet powerful story about a young girl named Sophie. Two summers ago, I was Zoha, along with some other Rabbanim to accompany Rav Asher Weiss to address the Kehillah and Fairlawn. Rabbi Markowitz's shul. It was a shloshim for a young girl, a six-year-old girl, Sophie. Sophie had just returned from Camp Simcha, her second summer in Camp Simcha. And when she returned that summer, a few days later, Kaddish Baruch Hu took her precious neshama. And at the shloshim, in the shul, Rabbi Markowitz got up to speak and introduce Rav Asher Weiss. And he shared one of the most moving stories I've heard. He was telling us how at the Shiva house, Sophie's counselor from that past summer in Camp Simcha came to pay a Shiva call to Sophie's parents. And she fair, shared the following story. Sophie was six years old. And she was sitting in camp next to another girl who was five years old. And the five-year-old girl was crying. And Sophie turns to her and asks why she is crying. And so the five-year-old girl responds to Sophie and says, This is the first time that I'm away from my parents. And Sophie looks at her and says, I remember last summer was my first summer away, my first time away from my parents. And I remember how sad I was, how much I missed my parents. But my father is actually staying a few minutes away from the camp. And he told me that whenever I need him, I just, I should just call him and he'll be right over. And Sophie says to the young girl, I'm sure your father's just a few minutes away, just a few blocks down the road, and all you have to do is just call him, and he'll be right over. And as powerful, as meaningful, as touching that story is, it brought tears to my eyes. An incredible chizik, a young girl, who could give another young girl chizik like that. But it's chizik to each one of us. 
Because sometimes we feel that our Father, our Father in Heaven, our Ravina Sheba Shemaim is so distant from us, is so far away. But Sophie is here to remind us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our Father, is just a few minutes, just a few moments away. We have to just call Him. We have to just call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we're in times of struggle, times of darkness, times of challenge, when we're facing obstacles, and even when we're not, we need to be reminded by the Chizik of Sophie that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our Father in Heaven, is just a few moments away of responding to our call, to coming to save us, to bring us a Yeshua, to bring us a Gula. All the Chizik that Sophie has given me and her story has given others should be an incredible zuchus for her neshama. I was never zocha to meet Sophie, nor was I zocha to meet her parents and family. But from those two summers ago when I heard this story, it has had a profound effect on me. So the neshama should have it a lean. Rabbi Levin, our next, our final speaker for tonight, our great friend Rabbi Hanan Gordon. From 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 Los Angeles community, and is and is and is, we want to remind everyone. We want to remind everyone. Everyone should share this link. TorahAnytime.com slash live so they can be all be part of this amazing program and really prepare for Shavuos. Um, it's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Hanan Gordon, renowned speaker, author, and and communal leader, Rabbi Hanan Gordon. First and foremost, a, a shout out uh, to my dear friend, Daniel Aguilar. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be asked to be part of a inspirational event like this, hosted by Stories uh, to Inspire. Uh, as someone who's been involved in the proverbial speaking circuit for many years, there's no question that the most powerful tool to impart a message and to really hit the spot uh, is through stories. My friends, we're in the aftermath of one of the most tragic events uh, that has occurred in Jewish history. 45 beautiful neshamas were returned to their maker on Lagba Omer in Miran. And as we continue the journey up to Shavuos, people are asking a lot of questions Two questions, two emotions that have been imparted to me I'd like to hopefully share with you folks today. Number one, I've heard, you know, when we have an event like this, it's scary and people feel alone. And the proverbial question always is, uh, Rabbi, I, I feel sometimes I pray, I daven. Is anyone listening? So I want to share a story, a brief story to respond to that about whether somebody is listening. I know the story is true because it happened to me. The second emotion that I often hear people talk about in the aftermath of, of such a tragedy is what are we supposed to embrace? What, what can we take on to make an event like this at least meaningful and in honor of the 45 Kedoshim to know that we have done something uh, that is meaningful. 
I'd like to speak to that with a, uh, a true story. I know it's true because it happened to me. So let's go to the first point, and that's the feeling when we have such enormous events like this that people feel alone and the notion that our prayers are not being, being answered. It doesn't have to be a drum roll, a mega story, but I believe this makes the point. So my sister-in-law is, sister-in-law's brother is Rabbi Avram Edelstein, who many of you know, a, a huge figure in the world of Kirov, uh, ran Heritage House for many, many years, and today is uh, spearheading Neve Girls' School in, in Jerusalem. So being that, obviously, through my family, I'd been involved in, in the Heritage House, if you will, he, uh, I got a phone call uh, from a, a former South African, uh, Martin Weisberg, to say, Hanan, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, you know, Heritage House, we've known each, you know, we hail from the same country, I'd like to maybe sit down with you, have a cup of coffee, maybe you can give me some ideas of some folks that I can visit with to give donations, hopefully, to support the Heritage House. And like... I think anyone would do for a Lanzmann or uh, a fellow, a Jew trying to do good things. I spent an, an hour or so with uh, Martin Weisberg, super guy, executive director of Heritage House. And fast forward the story, a few years later, had the Sousa being one of the speakers for Gateways for the Sukkot program in 2019. One of the most beautiful things about Eretz Israel at the time of Sukkot is to take a look at the Kaisal, to see people with their Arbaminim, to see families, to see the Simcha. So one of the things that I wanted to do is to get a panoramic view of the Kaisal during uh, Sukkot. As it happened, I, uh, <clears throat> I learned that the roof of Aisha Torah was not going to be available as a sort of a lookout. And so I said to Hashem, you know, I'd love to take my wife and whatever, some of the kids that are available uh, to take a look at the Kaisal uh, during Sukkot. It's a memory for life. And being that uh, the rooftop at Deshe Torah wasn't available, Hashem, I know you can do anything. You've got to come through for us here. I don't think it was a few minutes later uh, as I was in my mind's eye speaking to the Almighty that I bumped into Martin Weisberg, the executive director of Heritage House. Hanan, wonderful to see you. It's been so long. I remember our visit up to Los Angeles. Um, and I was kibitzing with Martin and I said, um, you know, one of the things I would love to do is, is to actually take a look uh, at Yerushalayim by night, the panoramic, famous panoramic view of the Kaisal. And he said, that's interesting, Hanan. You know, I have a dira where I live, which actually has a balcony. Maybe, you know, you, your wife, your kid, come take a look. It's unbelievable. It'll be a, a scrapbook moment for life. And lo and behold, we made an arrangement. We went to see uh, the, uh, at the dira of Martin Weisberg. I've never seen such a beautiful site. It's not just a little lookout. It's probably the best overlooked site of the Kaisal of Yerushalayim. It was a small little appeal to Almighty. 
Kaddish Baruch Hu. This is going to leave a Roshim. I'm in Yerushalayim. This is a scene for life. Is there, is there an angle uh, that you'll give me a platform so I can take uh, my family to see this Kachava literally a few minutes later? Are our prayers answered? There's no question. Our, our prayers are answered. Sometimes it doesn't happen until the time is auspicious, but there is no such a thing as a prayer that goes unanswered, and there's no yid that's alone. So the second sort of emotion that I'm hearing is, what can we take on? What can we do to make this tremendous tragedy uh, in Moran uh, meaningful for us? So I want to share a thought with you with a story. I don't think it's by chance that Akadosh Baruch Hu chose to retrieve these 45 Pidoshim on Lagbaimer. The 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva who met their demise, according to all the Meforshim, one of the main reasons was the lack of respect between each, and, between each of them. These were huge giants spiritual giants the lack of respect between each of them is an emotion is a feeling that i experience and i see in cholesterol in a way that's very hurtful the divisiveness the finger pointing the i am holier than the than than you the right begadim the chitsonius what does he have to have that kind of yamika what so far be it for me to try and understand why Kaddish Baruch does things. But I think the fact that these Kedoshim were retrieved on Lagba Omer at that auspicious time is, a, is a, a lesson for all of us in Shalom, having respect for each and every one of us. Respect is something that's different to love. The Aseris Adibris doesn't say that you should love your parents. It says respect your parents. Kibur avaim. It's a different emotion. It's understanding that I need to be tolerant. It's understanding that the people who are different are still okay. It comes down to a concept of do we want to be right? Or do we want to do right, so to speak, in the eyes of the Almighty? So he has a story that obviously is probably... For me, one of the most meaningful things that happened in my life, and I share it at this time because I believe it brings out this point in a very, very special way. Do we want to do what feels right or what's right in the eyes of the Almighty? So I'll take you back, my friends, uh, to 1992. I was reading Yeshiva in Israel, the old base medrash of Aisha Torah, Rechov, Mizgav, Dach. And before I had left for Israel, there was a certain medical expense, which through an anomaly wasn't covered by medical insurance. So it was hanging out there. There was a, a amount of money that had to, be, had to be paid. I went to the Mashkiach at the time, Rav Berkowitz, who's currently the Rosh Hashiva, as, he, as is the Rosh Kail of the Jerusalem Kail. And I said to Rav Berkowitz, this is, this is a Machaya. This is Gan Eden. Who would not want to be in the best Medrash, 
the old city. This is Kavaldik. But there's this outstanding chayv. There's, there's an expense that I need to offset. And I asked the mashkiach whether you know, I should keep pushing it or is the right thing to take care of this and then maybe reevaluate and potentially come back to continue my learning. I honestly did not want Berkowitz to tell me to leave the yeshiva at that point in time. But in his genius cheshben, the final psych was that the right thing was to return to the United States to ostensibly uh, attend to, uh, to pay this debt and then get back uh, on, a, on a flight back to Israel to continue my learning. I clearly didn't want to do that. No one who's involved in the Kol Torah, no one who's in Yerushalayim uh, would possibly want to put that on hold and go back uh, to the, uh, the mundanities of uh, America. But if that's what Rav Berkowitz said, then that's what I felt I had to do. Why? Because this is a this is a person who's a big Tamachim. This is Das Torah. I wanted to do the right thing in the eyes of the Almighty and through the conduit of the Mashkir. When I got back to the United States, I think it's safe to say that I had not even unpacked my bags from Yeshiva when through strange circuitous events I was given the name of a certain young lady to reach out to and potentially to ask on a date. I, jet lag had not even dissipated. I made the call. My friends, this young lady is my wife. The most important decision I've ever made in my life. If I look back at the chronology and the sequence of events, had I not come back to America, I try to do... Uh, what was right in the eyes of the mighty and not what we think is necessarily right. How is this relevant uh, to the Tukufa that we're in? Is that when it comes to Shalom, there's ultimately a binary decision, I believe, that all of us make. Do we want to be right or do we want Shalom? It seems to be the lesson we learn from the, the demise of 24,000 protege students of Rabbi Akiva is the importance of shalom, of respect, of not judging each other. Akadosh Baruch Hu took, 20, took 45 gems, retrieved the Neshomas on Moron, like Boemer. That in and of itself is an enormous tragedy. Friends, it's even more of a tragedy. If we don't learn from this, if we don't make some changes in our character, in our hashkafa. And perhaps this is one thing that we should sensitize ourselves to and take on as we continue the journey up to Shavuos. And that's the importance of shalom, the importance of respecting, the importance of stepping back. Let the other person get to the hors d'oeuvres before you. A person who might not have the same opinion, have a different hat, we aren't supposed to be clones. There's 12 Shvatim. The importance of Shalom cannot be underscored. Shalom is one of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's names. So we can hopefully take these two stories. The fact that when we do have shock, when we have an event like this and we feel alone, 
We are never alone. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with you. A small prayer, as benign as it may sound, of wanting to get on a lookout uh, to see the Kaisal during Sukkot. It's a kush from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a kiss saying, Khanan, I'm here. I heard your little request. The notion of doing right in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The, the, the notion of shalom, what we perhaps can learn from the tragedy of Lag Ba'imer in the demise of the Rebekah's students, and perhaps as an aliyah for the beautiful neshamas that we lost on Lag Ba'imer, is to take a step back, focus on shalom rather than being right. We're about to enter the Yom Tov of Shavuos. There's two things that Shavuos has come to mean to many. Before the greatest gift that the Almighty ever gave the Jewish people, Matan Torah, the instructions for living. Number one, before the, the bells and the whistles and the thunder and the lightning, before imparting the, the Torah to the, the Jewish people, there was absolute silence. Mephoshim say that it was a level of silence. You could hear the echoes of insects. It was, it was a deadly silence. I think it's important that we, we take some silence, recalibrate, understand why we're here, understand the purpose of this journey, that the Almighty gave us a GPS. We all know the very final destination, but understanding how to recalibrate less and the purpose for us being in this world will require a sense of silence and reflection from the distractions uh, of this world. And finally, Chazal tell us as well uh, that the Almighty uh, gave us the Torah at the point where there was the highest, the highest form of Achdus. It was the zenith of Achdus in the Jewish people. There was Shalom. It was that time that the Almighty chose to give us the gift of the Torah. Let's take a few moments of silence. Think about, think about our lives. Uh, thinking about as an aliyah for these the Kadoshim that were lost in Moron, that we won't be so makbid, that we'll allow other people uh, to get ahead of us uh, in uh, when we're driving, we'll help someone put something uh, in the overhead on an airplane, small things that will show respect uh, for each other. Understand that we're never alone, that our small tefillahs wanting to have a look out from to see Yerushalayim and clearly much bigger tefillahs. The idea of doing what's right, not necessarily in our eyes, but in the eyes of the mighty, I believe indirectly gave me this chus to find my zivog, my, my wife, who clearly is the biggest and the most important decision that I've made. Bezaz Hashem, as we approach Shavuos, it's take to heart some of these ideas through these two stories. And Bez Hashem, the, the bonfires of Lagba Omer should be a precursor to the lighting of the menorah, of the rebuilding of the base of Migdash. It should happen soon in our days. I'm hoping that every single one of you will not only be counting the days of the Omer, but make the days of the Omer count. Until we speak again, a good yonta for Shavuos, and thank you for stories to inspire for the magnificent work you do. 
Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight at this very special program, My, my Favorite Shavuos, Stories to Inspire. This was presented by the Chazak organization, Stories to Inspire, Kola Torah Kula, the Talisman of Torah Anytime. We want to thank the nine tremendous speakers tonight for taking from their busy schedules to really inspire us and uplift us and get us ready for this great holiday of Shavuos, which is only a week away. And we want to we want we want to remind everyone about the great work of each of these organizations, the Chazak organization, of course, helping organize this amazing program as well as every single night at least one amazing program, which could be up to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight amazing programs for men, women, young, old, everyone in between, and and um, everyone should should um, should go to Chazak.org to hear about more upcoming events and programs. And Chazak's main mission is to help Jewish public school students transfer to yeshiva. In the last four years, Chazak has helped transfer over one thousand children from public school to yeshiva. Yes, one thousand children from public school to yeshiva. It's an unbelievable accomplishment. Someone watching right now knows someone who has children in public school who would like to transfer to yeshiva. Reach out to Chazak right now. Seven one eight two eight five nine one three two. 718-285-9132 and to support the great work of Chazak go to give go, 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 go to org slash donate C-H-A-Z-A-Q dot O-R-G slash donate and to, to, to dedicate an upcoming um, class share for, um, for, for for a loved one for a for Shalema for the Zuchus um, for um, for a Shidduch whatever it may be reach out to Chazak Chazak um, will help you in that process Reach out to Chazak events at Chazak.org, E-V-E-N-T-S at C-H-A-Z-A-Q.org, events at Chazak.org. I obviously want to thank the great Stories to Inspire organization. Thank you, Daniel Aguilar, for your tremendous work. Thank you, Stories to Inspire. And you should, everyone should check it out, Stories to Inspire.org. It's if you want a story, you want to inspire yourself, others, whatever it may be, on any topic. It's all categorized. Unbelievable video, written quotes, everything. Stories to inspire.org. Or, and also sign up for their WhatsApp broadcast right now. Message the words add me to 310 210 1205. Again, 310 210 1205. Everyone, we want to give a big thank you to Yitzhak Friedman and Shlomo Hershey and the whole team, the whole great team at Kola for being. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.